You are listening to audio from Hyde Park Baptist Church in Lumberton, North Carolina. You can join us each Sunday morning at 1045 Eastern Standard Time at hydepark.online.church. Good morning. We're glad to have you with us this morning. Uh, those of you that's with us online, we're glad to, that you're checking in with us this morning. Um, we're continuing our series, The Keys of Happiness, with a, f- with a focus on the Beatitudes. This is actually the sixth sermon that you've heard in this series. And, and uh, you know, it was, a, it was a moment when Jesus had gone up on the mountain and he sat down and he was teaching his disciples. This was a teaching sermon. And there was a crowd, undoubtedly, that had gathered around and listened. So as we look at this scripture and we look at these Beatitudes, today we're going to get to a, a heart-pounding point. So if you will, all those who will and all those who can, please stand at the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You may be seated. Every religion has a theme or our admonition to see God, whatever their God may be, whether it's to gain a, a higher essence or a higher revelation or, you know, to get closer to whatever they consider to be the supreme being. If you're a Mormon and you've done everything right here on earth and you've taken your spouse over to one of the Mormon temples, I think there's 98 in the United States, and you go through the ceremony there, then if you do everything right and you get into the spirit world, you get to have your own family that, you know, that populates your own world, and you get to be their God. If you're a Jehovah Witness, then you want to be one of the few. You want to go through all the ritualistic things that they do, and you want to be one of the few that gets to see God. If you're a Muslim, you want to follow all their laws and the and the things that they do, you want to pray five times a day at certain hours to be able to be with Allah. If you go to one of their mosques, they've got a wall. It's called the Kilab, I believe it is. And that wall, the backside of that wall faces Mecca. Every time that they pray, they kneel down and they face Mecca. They're following the rituals of their religion to be able to draw close to what they consider to be their God. All religions, a higher essence, a higher revelation, draw closer to their supreme being. That's the goal. So with that, I've got a question for you. Why are you here this morning? Let's pray.
Father, again, I stand before you. Weak, undeserving of your grace and your mercy. And I ask for your forgiveness of sin. I place myself as a vessel to be used by you. So let your Holy Spirit work in this place this morning. As we look into your word and your teaching. Father, I just pray that you will move. That the blinders will be removed. That the mask will be removed. That the curtain will be torn. That the shadows will be lit with your light. Will light up the deception that Satan may have brought in our lives that separates us from you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, I shared with the, the first service this morning, I said, don't you, don't you really like to get it when the pastor gets all fired up in worship and he can't preach? It's not his turn. The Beatitudes. You know, as we take a look at the first three Beatitudes, it reminds us it's a consciousness of our sin is a of our need of something to redeem us. You know, we look at the when we looked at the poor in spirit, we we saw that we were lost. We were in a condition that separated us from God, and we needed something to redeem us. When we look at the blessed are those that mourn, we see that even though we have salvation, that we still have sin in our life, and we need to mourn that sin, and we mourn the sin of the world, the iniquity that's all around us. And then we get to that blessed are the meek. Because when we realize that we need Jesus, and we knew that we were poor in spirit, and we're mourning that sin, we know that, man, we are not, we are not what God needs us to be until we start trying to draw closer to him. And then we get to what Paul preached on in verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. That's the turning point in the Beatitudes. Hunger and thirst. Have a desire to draw close in what God would have us to be. To get onto the meat of the Word. In our Bible study, we've been... We've been studying in Hebrews, in chapter 6 of Hebrews, the first part of that chapter. The writer of Hebrews says, listen, y'all need to get on to the meat of the gospel. You've got the salvation thing wrapped up, and that's great, but that's the part of the milk. That's the beginning. You've got to grow in Christ. You've got to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Grow into what God would have you to be. Don't just sit in a chair in the pews. That's the turning point. And when we get there, we get to the next one. It's blessed are the merciful. We realize when we start growing toward Christ, we realize the mercies that he gives us every day. 
And with that in our lives, we become more merciful to those around us that really need redemption. I've got a brother here on the front row that's in his, in his life, he's having some struggles with the place that he's working. The iniquity of the world is all around him. And it's by the mercies of God that he's been able to work through that. To be alive in what God would have him to be to the place that he's at. And then we get to this verse. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The New Living Translation translate this verse as Blessed are those whose heart is pure, for they shall see God. So we'll take a look at the heart. The Easton's Bible Dictionary says that the heart is the center of all spiritual activity. But not only is the heart the center of all spiritual activity, but it's the center of the essence of life. Everything in our lives, our personality, our humor, the way that we interact with other people, it's based on the condition of our heart. Our emotions, the way that we react to things that happen in our lives, our response to those around about us, and our intellect, the way that we learn, the way that we teach. The way that we relate and our will, the things that we put our mind to, the things that we strive for, the places that we want to go, the people that we want to be with, the things that we want to accomplish is all based on what's in our heart. But there's a problem. Our problem is our heart is wrapped up in the sinful, fallen nature of man. In and of itself, we can get nowhere near to being pure. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says, And every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. He's talking about man. In Genesis 8, 21, it says, For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. In Acts 21, I mean, excuse me, Acts 8, verse 21, it says, For your heart is not right with God. We're not there. You know, we know that Jesus had issues continuously with the Pharisees. Now, who are the Pharisees? Well, you know, most of us know that they're the, they're the keeper of all the laws that the Jews had. 
You know, they, they lived according to all the ritualistic laws that they had written along with the laws and commands of God. They tried to follow everything to the letter. You know, I can, I can imagine as a young man, in their culture, these Pharisees were, you know, they were lifted up. They were somebody to look up to. I can imagine as a young man, there's guys that would say, man, I'm going, that's what I want to be. I want to follow after God. I want to walk in his precepts and grow into his knowledge. These guys were the teachers. Paul himself as Saul was a Pharisee. When he was persecuting the church, he thought he was doing the right thing. His intentions were pure in his mind. But that's the problem with the Pharisees. It was all about their intellect. It was all about keeping the law that most of it that they had written that wasn't from God. They still had a heart condition. Walking in the way, keeping the word, following all the rituals didn't change the heart. If you would look with me in Luke chapter 18, we're going to start reading in verse 9. Was that me? Luke. Chapter 18, verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Now, just in that of itself, you know, how would they think that they were righteous if they were going to treat other people with contempt? Jesus said, two men went up to the temple to pray. <clears throat> One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus. <laughs> God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Extortioners unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Let's go back to Beatitudes. Jesus is laying the foundation of what a disciple should do. Jesus says in this word here, he says, I tell you that, oh, I let me go ahead and read all of it. I'm getting ahead of myself. He said, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing afar off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For whoever, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. 
a Pharisee, the guys that keep the law, standing in the temple before Almighty God, and he says, I thank you that I'm not like all these other people because they're not where I'm at. Now get back to the Beatitudes. Was he poor in spirit? Was he recognizing his heart need? Was he mourning the iniquity that obviously was in his life, that separated him from God, that was hardening his heart? Was he at all meek? No. Jesus said that he's not justified. I tell you that the tax collector, someone in their society, they looked at as a betrayer of their people. He sided with the Romans, collecting taxes for Rome from his own people. But Jesus said that this man left the synagogue justified. Was he poor in spirit? Was he looking at the sin in his life? Was he mourning his separation from God? Was he meek? Jesus said he was justified because he recognized his heart condition. In Matthew chapter 15, the scribes and the Pharisees come to Jesus. says, listen, your guys, your disciples, they're not washing their hands according to the ceremony of our elders before they eat. I mean, hey, it's a written law. You've got to wash your hands this way. And your guys aren't doing it. No, they're not doing it. Jesus said, well, listen, let me tell you something. The Word says, God's commandment says you to honor your father and your mother. But you have written a law that says you can look at your father and your mother and so everything I have is devoted to God. When you should be taking care of them in their old age, everything I have is devoted to God that I don't need to look after you. One of their laws. Jesus said you're taking a commandment from God and you're throwing it out the window and you're planting in your own stuff and you're calling it a doctrine, a command from God, a law that you follow, that you can throw God's commandment right out the window. Jesus says it's not what, they don't have to worry about washing their hands because it's not what goes into the mouth that, that defiles a man, but what comes from his heart, out of the mouth that defiles a man. Peter looks at Jesus and says, listen, Jesus, don't you know that you offended them? 
They're offended by what you said. Jesus says, don't pay them any attention. He also said in verse 7, he looked at them and he said, you hypocrites. You hypocrites. Says, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And listen to this in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. The things that they've written down, they're teaching, they're living the letter of the law, they're teaching that. This is a doctrine of God when it's not. Listen, I can tell you today, based on God's word, just on this right here, that God doesn't care how you wash your hands. Doesn't matter what soap you use. It doesn't matter what kind of towel you use to dry them with. God does not care. But they did. They made it a law. I wonder how that they thought that they could be justified to God. I've been in some Baptist churches, and Jeff has talked about it in his life growing up in his former denomination. There's a lot of legalistic stuff out there. I mean, some people would look at those folks that go to church at Hyde Park they're not really believers of God because they've got a set of drums in the corner. And every time somebody sits down behind that drum and the bass beat is on the second and fourth beat of the, of the measure, then that, that, my friends, brings up the devils from, from Satan. It brings the demons up. That's why the people get excited when they worship because of that drum beat. Now, I don't think that's why Jeff got excited this morning. I believe it's because the presence of God was here. You know, some people will look at Hyde Park and say, those people aren't really Christians. They're not disciples because they don't preach from a pulpit. You know, that does bother some people. I don't know who, but I know it does. Good intentions. They were living, the Pharisees were living according to what they considered the letter of the law. But the thing is this, anything that separates us from God is really a deception of Satan. They were deceived. They had gotten caught up in their traditions and they had separated themselves from having a relationship with God because Satan had deceived them that they could go to worship all they wanted to, but Jesus said they worship me in vain because they don't really know the, the heart of God. They had a heart problem. They couldn't get to him. Satan had deceived them. He called them hypocrites. Jesus said, blessed are the pure. The pure. Let's say it, let me say it right. Pure. For they shall see God. 
Did I ask y'all why you came to church this morning? Let's look at being pure. Generally, it's taught that being pure, and, and I know you've, you've heard preachers preach on this, is like purifying gold. You know, heating it up, turning it you know, into molten gold, and that the copper and the tin and all other elements that are not part of being pure gold will just rise up, and the pure gold is drained out, and it's pure with no impurities. That we look at pure being that we have been cleansed by the power of the Spirit. But another way of looking at pure is the singleness of mind. Setting our mind and our heart and our spirit, and in this case, all to the things of God. that our life is hunger and thirsting after righteousness. Our heart being totally surrendered to the leadership in the of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that our motives, our motives, the reason that we do things is always clean and pure. Walking it with the Holy Spirit and the direction that he would have us to walk. We're pure than, is that in that that we will see how God works in our circumstances. And listen, you're alive this morning. You have breath this morning because God has a purpose for you. And only when we see how he's working, and we open ourselves and surrender ourselves up to the job that he's doing, and we see that, say, Lord, let use me to get this done, and we walk through those open doors. Henry Blackaby, in his book, Experiencing God, says, the more that we hunger and thirst after righteousness, now he didn't put that in there, but that's the way it is, the more that we grow in what Christ would have us to be, the more that we'll see how God works, and we'll keep right on moving up with him. The Holy Spirit will keep opening doors. We'll hunger and thirst about walking with God and we'll draw closer to Him in every day and every way of our lives. Because we have a mindset of solely focusing on the things of God. We are pure. But the opposite of that single focus is being double-minded. It's hypocrisy. Just like Jesus called the Pharisees. You hypocrites. The word from the Greek origin is about, in, has an has a origin in the theater. You know, portraying or acting out a certain life. Putting on a mask and being somebody else that you're really not. A lot of us live our life just like that. In his books, What's So Amazing About Grace, Philip Yancey writes, 
As a child, I put on my best behavior on Sunday mornings. And I dressed up for God and for other Christians around me. It never occurred to me that the church was a place to be honest. Now, though, as I seek to look at the world through the lens of grace, I see that it's a prerequisite of grace is to be honest before God. Matthew West has a song. The title of the song is Truth Be Told. The verse goes like this. It says, lie number one, you're supposed to have it all together. And when they ask you how you're doing, you say, fine, never better. Lie number two, everybody's life is perfect except yours. So you take all your messes and your failures and your sin and you hide it with you behind closed doors. Truth be told, the truth is seldom told. I say I'm fine, yeah, I'm fine, but I'm not. I'm broken. In my case, I'm wretched. Not deserving of God's grace. He said, and when it's out of control, I say it's under control, but it's not. And God knows it. I don't know why it's so hard to admit it, but when being honest is the only way to fix it. There's no failure, no fall, no sin that you don't already know, that God doesn't already know. Let the truth be told. If you knew my heart, you can say to me or I can say to you, if you knew my heart, you know why I wear a mask. So, Vicki, you don't know the things that I go through. You know why I put on an act when I come to church. You know why I'd put on an act when I'm around other believers. There's no failures, no flaws, no sin that he doesn't already know. We can bring a mess to church, but it doesn't separate us from God because God knows what's behind the mask. And what everybody else thinks of us really doesn't matter. No failure, no flaw. What we need is Jesus. We need cleansing. There's no pure heart without it. The Old Testament worship In Hebrews, it said, 
that there's no redemption of sin without the shedding of blood. No cleansing. In the Old Testament worship, they looked forward to a sacrifice to come that would be once and for all. The New Testament looks back at that sacrifice that was paid once and for all. There is cleansing by the shedding of His blood if we yield our hearts with pure intentions to Jesus. Our transformation comes through Christ. To be pure is a progressive work of the Holy Spirit. And we get to play a part. But our part is very simple. Our part is surrender. And acceptance of who He is and what He's done. So I'll ask you a question. Why are you in church this morning? Did you get up this morning and prepare yourself before you left the house saying, God, I want to feel your presence when I get there this morning. God, I hope that the Holy Spirit moves when the worship band plays and they sing praises to God that my heart is ready to praise you. Or, you wearing a mask. I remember one preacher said, he said, if, if we're coming to church just to be coming to church, he said, that's a lot of wasting hours in our lifetime. If you haven't come expecting something from the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit, if you're not looking for Him to come in and massage your heart and bring you closer to what He would have you to be, if you're not ready to surrender to the direction that God and the purpose that God puts you here for, every breath that He gives you is for the purpose that He planted you here for. All of us, and I'm not immune, needs to surrender to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. But if Satan has deceived you and that every time I've come here that I'm fine, but I'm not. Then today's the day of salvation. So let me ask you another question. Is your heart pure? As you sit here before Almighty God and you look into yourself, can you stand before Him and sit here before Him and we stand up and start singing? Can you stand before Him and say, God, my intentions are with a pure heart that I'm following you every day, every moment, every hour of my life. In my hobbies, in my job, at school, everything that I do, things that I enjoy doing, but I'm still walking with you because I'm surrendering. Can you say that this morning? 
If you can't, there's an altar up here for you to get it right with Jesus. Thank you for tuning in to this week's sermon. For more information about Hyde Park Baptist Church, please check out our website, hydepark.church, or on social media on Facebook and Instagram at Hyde Park Baptist.